Hey everyone, it's your co-host Pat, and we're coming to you with the final episode of 2019. In the last couple of weeks, we asked you what your two favorites of the year were. Last week, we reposted our conversation with Ashley Merrill, founder of Lunia, and today's episode is with Chef Johnny Rayzone of Howlin' Rays. For those of you who have been to Howlin' Rays and witnessed the genius of Chef Johnny and the Howlin' crew, there's not much more to say. Over the past four years, Johnny's built a phenomenal business culture, and incredibly loyal following while introducing Nashville Hot Chicken to the city of Los Angeles. We originally released the episode on May 20 of this year when Posh and I had the chance to sit down with Johnny to learn about his upbringing, what inspired him to become a chef, and the wild journey he's had from being $80,000 in debt to growing one of the most popular food concepts ever. As we head into 2020, please, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well as our newsletter at thefounderhour.com to stay up to date on new episodes and more. And if you haven't done so, leave us a rating and review. It really goes a long way and helps others discover our show as well. Thank you so much. Happy New Year to you all. Here we go. What's up, everybody? We're back on the Founder Hour podcast. This is your co-host, Posh. I'm Pat. And we're here with Chef Johnny Rayzone of Howlin' Rays. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. And if you haven't... I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just, just turn out the podcast. Don't listen to us because you're not worthy. So, Johnny, great to be here with you today. Thanks for having me. Thanks All for having right. us at Howlin' Rays. Yeah. We can hear some music in the background. I don't know if the folks on the podcast can catch it. And we're excited to get some of the food after as well. So we decided to not talk before this podcast so that we don't let go of any of the fresh material. Mm. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. I know you're born and raised in L.A. What part of L.A.? Grew up in uh, Echo Park. Uh, went to John Marshall High School. Prior to that, uh, King Middle School right on Myra and then uh, Franklin Elementary. Um, but yeah, Los Angeles born and bred. Um, I, it, my first part of my career was like basketball. It was, it was going to, you know, you're be, a pretty tall dude. So yeah, yeah six foot two, three ish hmm. and can dunk and, you know, had a good jump shot from mid range to outside. Did so, you play at John Marshall high? Yeah. I got a college scholarship, but decided to be a chef instead. Okay. You know, um, but were yeah. Your, were your parents born in the U.S. as well or? Uh, yeah. So my father, Ray Zone, uh, he was born in Rancho Cucamonga out in the valley. Like, I guess you could say like Fullerton or, sure. you know, like kind of like uh, suburbs. Um, he worked in a steel mill until he was 35 years old and then decided to come out to L.A. and started a 3D uh, business doing uh, 3D conversions for oh. comic books. Wow. Oh, wow. And what year is that? Uh, he came out probably in like the 70s, you know, uh, and him and my mom, they're like the older kind of generation. Like my mom's like like probably like 70 mm. now. So they had me like right at that at that point where it was yeah. like they can't have babies or she couldn't have babies right. anymore. And he was kind of like at the end of his kind of like career approaching like retirement kind of thing, you know. So it was I was really blessed with having this older generation of parents, you know. Mm. And what was like? life like as a kid here in LA like besides playing basketball is there anything else you did or like yeah I mean it was it was really unique it's it's funny like one of the guys right now Cooper who's like on expo he was my best friend since childhood uh and we kind of grew up together um a very eclectic Los Angeles crowd you know like it's like my high school had like 5,000 students and like yeah probably I don't know 
20 white people out of those 5,000 students. A lot and more so, Latinos, African-Americans. Yeah, the culture. It was, it was it, like, and I think that was what my father and my mom were kind of like really excited about in terms of Los Angeles. Was It was yeah. it's such a melting pot of cultures. Right. And I mean, here we Absolutely. are serving National Hot Chicken in Chinatown. You know, it's like that, how LA is that, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I, I just love it. I, I that's why instead of moving out to Nashville, I decided to you know come Bring back Nashville here. here. Yeah, exactly. So were you a big foodie as a kid, or how did you? I mean, how did you decide to forego going to play basketball to become a chef? Yeah, so I uh, went out uh, to New Mexico with one of my friends, and I had this burger that his father-in-law cooked, and it had let, like these charred Fresno peppers on it. The the bread was like freshly baked. The it wasn't even beef. It was like bison. It was like weird meat. Right. You know, it was but, a little less fatty. Yeah, but it was gamey. it was bomb. It was like yeah, so it's good. It was yeah. it, and and the re I didn't know at the time, but the reason why it was so good was because it was all local, fresh, and like just just properly executed. Um, because they didn't have like your convenience store or mm-hmm. whatever. And I had that burger, and I was like. I was probably like 16, 17 at the time. And I was like, I want to be able to do this at any given moment. I want to be able to conjure up some type of thing like this, for whether it's for a girl, for myself, for the homies, mm. whatever. Uh, be able to cook at that level. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. So when I came back, you know, I kind of put basketball on pause a little bit and decided to, you know, start working for free in uh, this little French restaurant on Franklin Avenue uh, called Figaro Bistro. Mm. That was my first job. Dishwasher. So, so you're in high school at this time? Yeah. So my my uh, my dad had a friend who uh, owned that restaurant, and I told him, look, I want to be a chef. I want to, you know, kind of go into this. And he's like, well, you know, I can call him or whatever and start as a dishwasher, just, you know, washing dishes. And, yeah. And, uh, so college wasn't really in the plans after that. I, I mean, it, it, at the time, like I could have really, I could have taken that route, but <clears throat> I was never driven by college. And my parents yeah. were so eclectic and artistic that they were like, you, you "Just all you got to do in life is is do what you love, mm. and everything else follows." So money, so you, had their, you had their blessing. Yeah, yeah, they were eclectic and artistic enough to be like, you know, whatever you want to do, you do it, you go out and do it, you work hard, you, you sweep the floors, whatever it is you need to do for that, um, but you do it and do do your best at it, and everything else will follow, so. So what do you do after you start dishwashing and you're, you realize that being a chef is more so the passion that you want to go after what do you start doing after that or is it just you keep working at restaurants so i would say it's like you know you, something uh, there's a ball rolling downhill a ball full of trash or whatever and it just yeah. keeps acquiring trash yeah. keeps acquiring gets bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger yeah. as i got deeper and deeper into it i started reading anthony bourdain i started watching uh some of the early clips of gordon ramsay um started like just immersing myself in in the culture um marco pierre white all those guys these old school guys and i just kept falling more and more in love with it and i wanted to understand how to communicate in the kitchen because you can say like go grab me a two-inch hotel pan you know and so if i say to you guys grab me a two-inch hotel pan and a perforated pan and then also i need a chinois yeah and you no. guys, you're supposed to say, yes, chef, and you go get it, and you bring it. Gotcha. And gotcha. I didn't know, when these guys were talking to me, I didn't know the language. So while I was working, I bought a used CIA textbook off of Amazon, 
and I uh, wrote that word for word uh, into just a blank empty book so that I could process the language. So by me, you know, reading it and then it going in my brain and then coming out of my hand, I felt like that was a way where I could understand the language of yeah. the kitchen. And besides like being inspired by the actual making of the food um, and seeing folks like Anthony Bourdain and Gordon Ramsay and like what their approach to all that stuff, was there anything about anything else about being a chef that intrigued you? Like what, like, I mean, did you eventually want to have your own like restaurant? Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go in it with seeking like, I, I feel like now it can get a little twisted in the sense of, you know, chefs are kind of going in it for fame, going in it for, I want to be on top chef or whatever. I got in it because honestly, like I like to, to work, work my butt off. You know what I mean? I liked hard work. Yeah. I respected those guys with like calluses on their hands yeah. and, you know, and I also wanted to, you know, like explore the the lure that I was reading about with uh, Anthony Bourdain and all that mm -hmm. stuff. It's like a pirate ship. It's like, you know, this the camaraderie, mm -hmm. this this team, you know, where the guy washing the deck, you know, the guy washing the dishes, the guy bringing the plates back, all that stuff. There were so many moving parts to it that I was just fascinated by that. And, you know, that's kind of... The, the, those are some of the things that really inspired me and got me, you know, going. I'm curious, as a restaurateur now, and we could jump into it more down the line, but were you ever a leader when back you were in high school and a little after that, did you display what you now, I guess, know as a leadership or leadership qualities? I mean, there were small, like, characteristics of it, but I wouldn't say that I was a leader. I mean, I was, like, I was well accepted within a lot of different cultures and communities, you know, like with, with a lot of different people being, being in LA, you know, you have all these different groups of people. And so I was like accepted in, in that sense, but I, I don't think I was really like leading, you know, uh, at that point, I think what got me to the point of leader was the amount of grind that I put in the amount of like hours mm -hmm. in the kitchen, taking, taking stuff from right. people, you know, getting yelled at, uh, working 16 hour days, you know, and it's more like leadership by example. Yeah. Lead by example. Yeah, for sure. That's what I do here. And that's yeah. why I feel like I have such a, 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 like, I feel so blessed to have the crew and the staff that I have now. And then also the perspectives that the staff and the crew has on me, because yeah. they see me expediting orders. They see me working the line. They see me coming in, you know, like in right. covered in drywall or whatever. And it's like, that's what's up. You know, right, you're like, not just the money guy that funded this no. restaurant and you know, you're just like here, you go run with it. You're, you're literally the man behind the scenes or perhaps sometimes even in front of the scenes on stage working. Yeah. And I think that that it becomes transparent with employees yeah. and, 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 and staff. And, and that's what kind of almost shifts you into that leadership role. Cause yeah. how can you lead somebody if you don't know how to do it yourself better and faster right. than them? So it's right. like, I have a joke with some of my guys, like, I bet I can try it tie a trash bag faster than you like like psh, whip yeah. it out boom tie it and it's like i joke with them like what how come you know i'm faster at tying the trash than you are and, and you have all these opportunities yeah, to get yeah, fast yeah. at it you yeah. know so um it's kind of like that and you know it's just i i feel super blessed with it but it's it's more of a you know kind of trial by fire earning it with your mm -hmm. grit earning mm -hmm. it with 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 the work that you put in yeah. with the dedication you put in um, and continually doing it on, on the day-to-day -day mm -hmm. in terms of consistency. Mm -hmm. So how long were you at that first, was it, a, it was called, it was a French bistro? Yeah. How long were you there? And then how many jobs did you have after that? Like how so many So I probably worked you? there about a year and a half, two years. And after that, I got a, a gig as a private chef guy because I was a little bit, 
at the time I'm like nineteen twenty, right? So I want to like make some coin. I want to I want to yeah make money. Right. So I, I I had an opportunity, and at the time we're talking like eight dollars an hour is is how much yeah. you get paid. Yeah. No overtime because you they the, you work the overtime. But you don't get paid as overtime right. because, you know, restaurants are, are beasts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I took a private chef's job. And basically what I was doing was just reinterpreting the dishes that I learned there. Right. You know, like like just, okay, I'm going to do a rack of lamb that's time scented with a mustard rub on it. And like, you know, just taking all these dishes that I was learning there and then cooking it for a family and making some money. And that was cool because it gave me the platform to transition to the next job, which was in Venice. Um, and that was with Hans Brock and Wagner. He's a uh, super, super cool down to earth guy. He taught me how to make spatzel and goulash and like all these different Hungarian dishes. Mm. It was really cool. So opened up that restaurant with him. And then I got word Gordon Ramsay was coming in, you know, and I applied, applied, applied. I sent so many emails. They probably were, were like, just, yeah. you know, like annoyed by me, but I really wanted to work for him just due to like, Kitchen Nightmares was a big thing for me. I love that show. You mm-hmm. know, the vintage ones. Uh, right. Like, he was like a role model, essentially, for you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just... He, he stood for quality, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he... And he fought for it. And he didn't care. People hate on him because he gets so angry and upset, but they don't understand that, like, he's getting angry and upset because that quail died for you. Or that chicken died for you. Right. And and it's like... He's looking at respected. it from a very logical standpoint. Yeah, yeah. like like you just burnt that and now it's gonna yeah. you have to redo another one right. or whatever. And it's like he cares about the food so much that he 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 lashes out like that. And did, did you ever just sorry, I, I just thought about this, but did you ever go to culinary arts school or ever no, think like, about like it? Like I said, I got a CIA textbook off yeah. of Amazon used. Yeah. It was like thirteen fifty seven or something like that. And do you ever think that you should have gone or no? I don't See, now, I don't want to steer people in the wrong direction right. and stuff, but it's like forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000, that would have changed my course, Yeah, right? right? And most of the education that I was getting, I'll just answer your question with a quick example. I had a dude that barely spoke English. I was working next to him, and he was making crips, these thin pancakes, mm-hmm. and he was making five at a time, right? And he was chilling, doing it. They were perfect, beautiful. Culinary student right next to me is making crepes. She's doing one at a time. And she's struggling. They're sticking to the pan, and she starts crying and breaking down because they're sticking to the pan. Mm. So early on, you know, like I had that comparison of like these culinary students, and she was so like ego driven and like always right and all that. And this dude right here is just grinding, working, and like doing it flawlessly. Yeah. I had a different perspective on it from when mm-hmm. I went because when I got into the the restaurant, you know, game or whatever. It wasn't. It wasn't like how it is now. It wasn't trendy to be a chef. It wasn't right. like, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now cool. it's like chefs are the new celebrities. Yeah, and it's. I mean, like it's cool, and you embrace it, and and, and that's awesome. And I, at like seven years in, I've been doing this 13, 14 years now. Seven years in, I could feel that shift where it was like people were kind of getting glorified and you know like put mm-hmm. up on these mm-hmm. pedestals and stuff, which is great. It's great for the industry, but. As long as you go into something with intention of, like, having those pure intentions mm-hmm. of, I want to go and do this because this is what makes me happy. Right. Not, I want to go and make a crap load of money or I want right. to go and get fame right, or right. whatever. Those, your intentions run through and, yeah. and, and are transparent with your customers, but also your employees. Mm-hmm. And thinking back to those early days, did, did it come natural to you? Did you feel like you had, like, an inherent ability to just kind of, you know, like, a knack for this stuff to get it going? Or, or was it difficult to, like, when you started becoming an executive chef to, like, 
actually run the show? No, it was hard. And, and what I did was I also saw a lot of my friends rising through the ranks very quickly and then them having fallacies with that. Yeah. So what I did was I held out. Like I, I, It took me 10 years until I took that first executive chef's job. And I, I, I waited, waited, waited. And, you know, that, that was something that was a key to my success was, was, was holding out to, to run the show until I knew how to run the show. How were you able you to know? have that sort of patience to do that? Because I feel like a lot of days, I even myself, I'm just like, I want to get, I know I can get to that point and I could be there now, but I'm impatient. So how do you, what is it, do you trick yourself to have that mindset? Or do you just say to yourself that I know I'm going to get there. It's just a matter of time. I think it's it, it, there's a lot of different factors on that. There's faith, it, faith in yourself, confidence, um, and also ego. Setting the ego aside and being like, yeah, I can set up three of these mics and and all the sound levels, and you know, set up the whole thing very quickly, and respecting that art of the craft. Yeah. Respecting the the why do you choose this microphone? Why do you have this setup? Why do you have these cables? You know, like. Understanding that side of the craft uh, as opposed to jumping to the end goal of like, I want to be a famous podcaster or a famous, you know, interviewer or something like that. What, what is it about interviewing that you like mm -hmm. and why? Mm -hmm. And then how do you ask better questions? Going deep into it like that, that's where my mind's at. It's like, how do I become a better chef? How do I become a better boss? How do I make better chicken? Even still, like people come at us like, oh, your chicken is amazing. So it's the best, right? And, and my response and, and what I'm trying to train my staff is, is like, like, we appreciate that so much and we're so grateful that they enjoy our food, but we're still students and we're still humble and, and we still can learn. Just because, you know, someone says you're, you're the top or whatever, the day you think you're, you're, you're the ish, you're the best, that's the day you start going down. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Downhill. So right. for me, to answer your question is you stay a student. You stay humble and, and, and you grind and, yeah. and you learn about all the aspects to the business of whatever it is you're pursuing, whatever craft it is you're pursuing, mm -hmm. so that when the time does come, you know how to like crank it out. Right. Mamba, really pro. Mamba mentality. Yeah. Yeah, Mamba mentality. Speaking of um, Gordon Ramsay, did you you said he sent all these emails? Did you ever get a job with him? Yeah, so I got a job. Gordon Ramsay at the London. We got yeah. a. Uh, I think it was one. That was or, at the SLS. Two. No, that was at uh, the London Hotel. Oh, the London Hotel. Okay. Yeah, it was on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. Uh, I think they closed. Yeah, I don't think it's there anymore. Yeah, but we got two Michelin stars at the time, yeah. so that was really dope. Was wow. it like the only LA restaurant with a Michelin star? Yeah, I mean that, <laughs> Melise, a few others, and yeah. it was it was really really cool to be a part of that, and and that that education in itself was right. like so so key, and it was funny because I was getting paid like at that time maybe ten bucks an hour, and I felt like I was I was getting college. Yeah. And getting paid to go to college, you know, right. and so what was really cool about that was the, the education, and then and then translating that into working for Thomas Keller and utilizing all the stuff from Gordon Ramsay that I learned. And that's up north. We opened up Beverly Hills. So I was part yeah. of the opening uh, team of Bouchon in Beverly Hills. And so, were you working with uh, Chef? What's his name? Tim at Otium. Hollinsworth. Hollingsworth? Tim Hollingsworth, he was at uh, French Laundry. Yeah, he was yeah. running French Laundry. Right. And uh, I, I was just a part of the opening team with Bouchon. And uh, kind of in between all that, simultaneously, too, I was butchering fish for Nobu Matsuhisa about like six, seven hours in the morning. And then I would go do my PM shifts for these guys. And so that was like 16 to 18-hour days. Wow. And that was a good lesson on like – like take care of yourself, you know, like, like my body went through it. I was doing like two, three monsters a day and yeah. 
I kind of went insane. I, I, you know, I was just like, I literally would go to work and then go home, uh, you know, like eat a yogurt and then go to the next job. You I'm know, curious though, what was like pushing you like every single day? Like, I, I know you had this kind of vision of where you wanted to be, but did you ever for a second think like, what if this doesn't work out? Like, what am I going to do? Like, oh yeah, hundred percent. I yeah. mean, even still like, what is it that pushes me? It's still here. It's maybe even more more powerful now than it was then because now I have 30 people that are depending on me right. for their, their livelihood. And then I have a thousand people out there that I'm trying to serve, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in one day. So the fire just keeps burning, you know, like, like throwing it back to that wheel going down, downhill, you know, it just keeps adding on more and more and more, you know? Um, but the, the motivation and, 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 and everything behind that was just, it's a mindset. It's like, you know, like stuff that like Nipsey Hussle's talking about, yeah. Mamba mentality. You know, like it, it's 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 like you knew this is what you wanted to do. This is like what your life's calling was. Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of you pick and choose it. I I don't feel like it was like a like a calling kind of thing. It was like this is what I wanted to be really really good at. Yeah. You know, and and also different at because I feel like a lot of chefs won't take this. Thirteen years in, I'm served Nashville hot chicken. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. like fried chicken. That's it. That's, that's everything on the menu. Yeah. You know, where's, where, how is their ego getting sated? Yeah. How is their creativity being sated and stuff right. like that? Yeah. But coming from where, where I came from and what inspired me and motivated me to be a chef, it, it checks all the boxes. Like, I'm good. Like, like I'm excited, inspired, yeah. you know? And speaking of, like, the, the, I guess, formal education aspect of it, like, if you did go to culinary school, like, do you think that would have sucked any creativity out of kind of like how you've gone about things and, oh yeah and and mo like motivation wise do you think like it would have changed like your motivation towards like what you were doing like you had to make money to pay off your loans yeah. or whatever it might be yeah when money's a factor when when you know you're you're driven by money like i'm gonna get into this because i want money you know like then obviously that that changes your your course and so when you owe that much money you're thinking about money yeah then also on it your ego like humility is super important to me being humble like i can learn from you guys like i know you're interviewing me but it's like my, my mindset is like you know I, you can learn from anybody yeah you know and being being humble in that sense um and i feel like a lot of the culinary students that i've come across they know or they think they know how to do it there's like f thousands of ways to make a sauce like a bechamel yeah. sauce you know and they teach you one or two ways, and then they're like, I know how to do it because I had that CIA thing. Well, you throw it back to, like, some of the OG French chefs. How did they do it, you know? Yeah, it's different than culinary school, but it's like, who's to say? Like, your grandma maybe makes, I don't know, like, I don't know, tabbouleh maybe differently like, yeah, yeah. Than, than, than somebody else. And yeah. it's like, maybe it has more lime juice or lemon juice or more parsley, less tomatoes, you know? Like, and everyone's different. And that's the beautiful thing about life is that, everybody's different and growing up in LA in this mix of culture where it's like, there's everybody, you know, Yeah, that's something that I was super grateful for that has shaped me in my career as a chef is diversity and embracing it, right. embracing, embracing yeah. the fact that, you know, no two grandmas make tabbouleh the same way. For sure. And Agreed. don't talk about baklava. No, no, no. I agree. Yeah. I Some agree. grandmas don't even make it, <laughs> but how was the experience at Bouchon and was that the last experience you had working for someone before you ventured off on your own? 
Yeah, so I uh, at Bouchon it was amazing because I was in charge of all the like the fish items. Okay. So I was chef de party de poissonnier, and that's like in charge of fish, you okay. know. And uh, <laughs> basically, basically, yeah. <laughs> like cleaning fish, fish or cooking fish or everything. Uh, well, they had prep guys cleaning all the fish in the morning yeah. and 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 butchering it. But at the time, I think they saw the Nobu tack on my resume, and they're like, "Okay, let's put him on fish. Yeah. He's probably going to be really good at yeah. it." And uh, they're tactful and smart, you know, like their whole crew. Um, but it, it was amazing because it taught me systems that I implement data, like even like right now, like with isolation of protein versus vegetables versus dry goods, like, like how, how kitchens are structured. Right. The, the ambiance, an order comes in and a, a chef calls it out, order in five Sandos and one breast quarter. And the guys respond, yes, chef, that's a brigade system. Yeah. You know, that's like a fine dining system in a fried chicken restaurant, blasting biggie. Right. You know, mace and all these like yeah. Yeah. crazy like throwback Tupac. You know, yeah. that's that's what shaped it. You know, yeah. and understanding that diversity that's that's uh, shaped myself as mm -hmm. a, a chef and all that. But tons of systems. Yeah. To answer your question, in terms of Bouchon, you also talked about Bourdain early on that you were reading some of his books, or you know, you I assume also looked up to him. What is it that you've learned from his work and his legacy? What I liked about Bourdain the most was was my kind of first introduction to him was his you know his prose the way he wrote about cooking and 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 in the kitchens with with all the different line guys like mostly latino line guys and stuff like that it seemed like folklore to me it was something when I was reading it it felt like I, I was like hearing a story about a boat and the captain on the boat and all that stuff and it was such a magical thing. So, so throwing it back to Kitchen Confidential, mm -hmm. one of his first books, it was he, he, he the way he wrote about it. You could tell he had a passion about it because obviously he was a chef at Les Halls, mm -hmm. and you know he shared that that joy of being a chef and running a kitchen and and things that in the kitchen that made him happy. Whether it's his cigarette break, you know, yeah. uh, in between, you know, firing forty steaks, and the fact that Emilio over here can't speak a, a lick of English, yeah. but he's got a lisp, and it's like super funny, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that that culture that like, I just fell in love with that. The way yeah. he wrote about it was such a yeah. artful way, and and it made me want to um, like just dive into that culture, dive mm -hmm. into that lore, you yeah. know. So you're working as a chef. What? How does the idea for Helen come about? Yeah, so I mean, so to segue back to your question, after Bouchon, I uh, had an opportunity to run La Poubelle. Okay, oh, this, okay, uh, so that small, wasn't... Yeah, okay. yeah so I, I, I got some of my footing running a restaurant. Got it. Because I wasn't at Bouchon. Obviously, I wasn't in charge, like, fully, you know, he's Thomas Keller and yeah. his system. So, so this one you started yourself. So I started running a, a French restaurant. Um, Still around, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacqueline Coster, Francoise Coster. Uh I started running this restaurant with my wife Amanda Chapman, and uh, did you, when did you meet your wife? By the way, I, I met her at a short stint job. I was a host, you know, the guy that seats you yeah. at a Indian restaurant on Franklin as well. Okay. So I've always just been working. Like work is like yeah. what makes me happy. Yeah. So I was a host there, uh, and I met her, and she was just like she was like a diner, like she was eating. She was a waitress, oh, okay. and she uh, was from the south, and and she moved out here. She had an indie rock band. Uh, I don't know if one of the CDs is over there. Uh, super dope. Like, yeah. like she's just super yeah. fine, yeah. you know, blonde woman that I was just like, wow, you know. <laughs> but, like, had an edge to her with, like, tattoos. And, you know, I just kind of, like, was enamored. But she didn't want to get at me because I was this 
18-year-old kid that was a host at a so this is way Indian restaurant. Oh, this yeah, is way this back. Is, yeah, this yeah, I was, 18, she was like, there like in the early days. Yeah, so she's like she's five uh, five years older than me, okay. something like that. But um, at the time, I was 18. She's you know 23 and like. <laughs> Eighteen-year-old chump. Who's yeah. this guy? He's a host. He drives a <laughs> nineteen eighty-five station wagon Mercedes, right. you know, two eighty TE. That's the color of poop. You know, like that's my first car. Yeah, and he's yeah. doing landscaping out of that too on the side. You know, it's like um, I was. I wasn't really anybody, and I didn't really have anything to offer. So, pause. I don't know five years or whatever. She does her thing, and I become a chef, and I start doing my stuff. And then five, six years later. Uh, I, I I almost hit her with a motorcycle. I ran into her. I was driving a... By chance? Uh, yeah. Like you guys hadn't kept in touch? No. And I almost hit her Jeez. with a motorcycle, and she gave me the nastiest stare. Yeah. Because... And that I just was, turned you on. Huh? And that just turned you on. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it was just like, damn. And then, so I found out she worked at La Poubelle. Wow. And that's where but she did worked. Did you remember her? Like, from yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, you did. Yeah, How can you not remember, remember you? Did she remember you? blonde girl. I think she remembered me. Yeah. It's, I, I would always slide into her, check it out, yeah. MySpace DMs. Ooh, there you go. That's I remember big. those. That's I remember those. Yeah. PC those were the real PC. relationships. Those were the ones Bulletin. that are working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So MySpace yeah. was big. That's a, a, a big way of how I was yeah. communicating with her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she was working at La Poubelle. She was running that restaurant okay. at that time. And she was doing her music. She, she was wasn't actually, a chef, was she? No, no. She was a like front of the house manager. She was actually dating one of the killers. Uh, okay. Uh, like guitar. Uh, one, like they have like four or five guitarists yeah. that are. Yeah, and that who's are famous big now? Band. Huh? And who's famous now? No, I'm, no, well, no, man. I, um, it, it's just you know. So I was I was grateful that she was willing to take a chance on me because yeah. at the time I was just a chef at Bouchon, yeah. and then I started running La Poubelle with her. And it turns out we had a we had a knack. We had this this chemistry of running this restaurant that just really we took this restaurant and and extrapolated like four hundred percent sales increase. Wow. You know, in a matter of like three years and we're like, wow, you know, we could do this for ourselves and you know, like it gave us the confidence. It was trust me, it was hard work, but it gave us the confidence knowing like, hey, we can start we can it's possible. You can accomplish whatever you, you want. And then the tipping yeah. point was when my father passed away, I found him. It was a very I was running service at La Poubelle. One of his friends came by and was like, Hey, he missed a three D club meeting. He never misses these like these geeky three D club meetings where yeah. it's like everyone's just talking about anaglyph and right. you know, like crazy, you know. And he missed it. And so then I go back to his uh, apartment and it was weird. It felt like it was morning, but it was actually nighttime because the newspaper was still there. Mm. You know, the lights were on. Yeah, yeah. Like it was really awkward. Like you could smell coffee. And, but it was like nine o'clock at night, and I had a key, opened it up, and then I found him just out of the shower on the floor, oh, like shit. just stone cold. Wow. And that experience was something that made me realize like life is, is very fragile and it's very short. And you need to go out and do whatever it is you want to do and, and, and do it and not be afraid of it. Mm. Don't let money be a hindrance. Don't let ethnicity don't let anything anything that you feel may be a hindrance to you just go and do it you're you're gonna die soon you know what i mean life is very short and it was yeah. a very shocking uh moment for me but after running la poubelle for three years and then that happening you know i realized like okay like let's let's go like let's let's do let's do it let's yeah. create create our own 
thing here and, and do it. It's going to be mm-hmm. hard. And, and trust me, like even from that point, like that was very difficult. But then six months later, a year later, there's even, even lately it's, it's, constantly a struggle but i love it because it's like challenging and you know i mean that's um, that's inevitable right like you're gonna struggle there's always gonna be challenges with with whatever like you do that's actually meaningful right and yeah progressing you forward but it's kind of how you the attitude you bring to it yeah and knowing that that that's what it's gonna be so yeah so why hot chicken so i was out in nashville uh doing a stage what a stage is is um you're doing a what? Sorry. Stage. Okay. So st- stagier is, is kind of where uh, S T A G I E R. It's a French okay. word, and um, basically what you do is you just go in and you you work your butt off for free. So it's like an apprenticeship. Yeah, but this was ten years after being a chef. Okay. Uh, so I got ten years experience, like like executive yeah, chef yeah. level, and I go into these this this restaurant. And I show up at 6 a.m. and then I leave at, I don't know, 1 a.m. But why? What are, why are you doing Because I wanted to learn about Southern uh, antebellum cooking. Just randomly? Or is well, it because you were dating you, your now wife? Well, it was because at that point when, when my father passed, I was like, you know what? I want to learn about uh, antebellum Southern food. So okay. Hop and John, you know, like, like, like leather britches, Got like it. these crazy Southern yeah. dishes that nobody knows about yeah. and the history behind it. And also like go and cook in the South. I, yeah. I fell in love with... Um, Nashville when I went out there and so what I did was I booked a trip to stage at a restaurant called Husk with uh, the chef Sean Brock and I was there I was cooking I was doing like 16 17 hour days and then I one of one of his chefs took me or recommended a hot chicken spot and then I had hot chicken so I was originally out there to learn this and maybe potentially work at that restaurant and and cook in the south but then I tasted hot chicken you know and I was like holy like this yeah. is amazing. You can cuss, huh? Well, I, oh. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. give us your actual reaction. <laughs> I've done a few uh, podcasts, and then the ones that I cuss on, I just look back and I'm like, God, oh yeah, like, okay, bro, okay. come on, yeah. For you the for the unless books. it's like really, books, yeah. yeah. If it's useful and it gets yeah. the point across, you know, it's like fuck that chicken was hot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. so I I had the the Nashville hot chicken and. I was so kind of my around world. What year, what, around what year is this? Like just for, for this is probably like five years ago, four years okay, ago. Okay, so 2014, 2014-ish. Yeah, the very early, early phases. It was like mm-hmm. getting a taste. I got a taste. You know, you know that uh, Tiga song, Tiga, Tiga, Tiga. Tiga. <laughs> well, there's a Tiga too. There is. Uh, this, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I had a taste of the hot chicken, um, and I, I, I just fell in love with it and wanted to bring it back to LA. And, and then that coupled with my father's passing, the experience as a chef at La Poubelle, the experience as a chef at Bouchon. You just felt like the stars aligned. It just aligned. clicked. It was everything. And so then I was like, you know what? I had good credit at the time. I took about $80,000 in uh, debt. So it wasn't like hard cash like money. Like an SBA loan? Huh? No, I, wasn't, I couldn't qualify for it. SBA, small business. Yeah. You know, like I didn't have any back proof of uh, income coming yeah, in. Yeah. So I used credit cards and unsecured car loans hmm. to open up a food truck and uh that was you know uh when Helen Rays was born wow. know, that was called Helen Rays yeah our, our food truck was named Helen Rays and what I did is prior to opening the food truck I, I went out I met the families I ex- like like really tried to deep dive into the culture of what is Nashville hot chicken who are the people behind it yeah you know who are the families behind it who's doing it now like in Nashville like yeah the like who's who like it. yeah what is go, it like, go to a hot those. chicken place and, and ask yeah. them oh have you been to Bolton's mm. have you been to 400 degrees have mm. you been to pepper fire 
Have you tried the, the deep fried grilled cheese at Pepper Fire? Or have you had Bolton's ribs? Or how crazy is this? Have you ever had spaghetti with fried chicken? Mm. You know, like go meet the people and the families behind it that that are doing it in Nashville and have been doing it for a long time. How long? How long? Like, is it like just ingrained in their culture there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like Aki's been doing it for years. Bolton's been doing it for years. You have the Bishop family from Hattie B's has been Hattie doing B's, that. Yeah. You know, like it's. But meet the people, you know, like experience the culture. If you're going to represent something, do it in a manner in which you're paying homage and respect to the people that came before you. And so that's what I, I was doing. This was even before Helen Rays existed. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say, yeah, I met Aki. Yeah, I had, you know, uh, uh, different meet in three places that were just like insane. You yeah. know what I mean? Arnold's meet in three. Yeah. Their chest pie will give you like a heart attack, you know? <laughs> like I felt like they were putting like 20 chocolate uh, jello packets mm, yeah. into a one pie, you know? Like it's wow. like that rich, you know? Huh. Go experience uh, Batter's Box. Go yeah. have, um, you know, biscuits and gravy at 2 a.m. right across from Batter's Box at Hermitage Cafe. Mm. Go see the Hermitage Hotel. Go see the culture of Nashville and, yeah. and, and, and experience that. And was it called Nashville Hot Chicken? Like, was that a thing? Yeah, it oh, was it Nashville okay. Hot Chicken. Princess was, was uh, the first to kind of, like, do it, you okay. know, in the 20s, supposedly. And wow. it, was, it was based on revenge. Uh, a woman who was trying to get back at a, uh, a, a gentleman that smelled like another woman, basically. Uh, and he was coming home. And, you know, it, it's, it's insane. But also... She just spiced the shit out of that chicken? Yeah, she made it extreme. But then he ended up liking it, and then he shared (laughs) it with his friends. This is actually really good. Like, it's supposed to kill me right now, but it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, and then they, you know, put the about What about it? Give, gave you that kind of like confidence that like I'm gonna go eighty thousand dollars in debt and I'm gonna start this thing out of this one item hot chicken. I I felt like you know it 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 embodied what I was as a chef and and what you know uh, spoke to me about being a chef, which is hard work, which is um, you know dedication, history, yeah, you know culture. It, it, it spoke to me in a way because of my upbringing, because of where I grew up and all that stuff, where it just clicked. But also, I never had fried chicken that good yeah. in these huge pieces. And it's a shame that, like, L.A. does, like, tenders and, you know, uh, like, a lot of that stuff. Because Nuggets. Well, you go, out, you go out to Nashville, and no one's ordering tenders. No one's ordering sandals. They're all ordering breast quarter or leg quarter. And it's funny because how you really test a true Nashville chicken spot is how their quarter pieces are cooked. And so it's sad that there's a lot of like hot chicken nowadays right. and they don't even have quarter pieces, which is how the dish the originated. Right. Yeah. So, but you know, like it's cool. It's LA. People like tenders. They like sandals. Right. Well, you know, they're going to just take sandos. whatever is there and just add a twist to it because it's LA, right? Yeah. Like we have but to do something it, different. But, but to me, culture and history and, and all that, like when people ask me, what's your favorite thing? I, I, I get down with the breast quarter and collard greens all day. That's, I'm good. And I'll do it hot or extra hot. And, and use the bread and like that's a perfect meal to me you know and, and the way those quarters are cooked is such a beautiful thing and it takes years of like perfecting but also meeting the meeting the people and right. understanding you know like how are they doing it um what they're and they they're not wanting to share mm-hmm. at all you yeah. know so like like trying to pick their brains and you know it's it, it, it just spoke to me so oh. why Nashville hot chicken and because it was something that I felt like I could represent in Los Angeles and also kind of elevate at, at the same time to a certain degree. 
you know, to this modern kind of And did you generation. do any like, you know, just like testing before you like actually launch, like ask friends to like try it out or like, oh, would, you guys, yeah. would you guys eat this? Like, so our like, recipe is the 256th um, rendition. So huh. because I work for Thomas Keller and Gordon Ramsay, you know, uh, recipes are scaled out by grams and grams being like you put it on a scale and that's 10 grams of this, 10 grams of that, et cetera. Um, I was able to tweak it um, by the gram mm. and then scale it, you know, but I would be like, oh, okay, it's a little too much cayenne or it's a little bit too much this, that, and just tone it down. And then, then you would taste a new flavor profile and you'd be like, you know what? It doesn't have that, you know, that, that spunk that or, kick, or yeah. mustiness, you mm. know? So what, what do we take away? What are mm. we going to add? And so, yeah, there was a lot of tweaking in my uh, apartment in, uh, so and like, why, why a truck? Like, why not just start with a... That's all I could afford. Okay. So I couldn't uh, open a restaurant because... So it was just you and Amanda? I had one employee from Inglewood. Hmm. Yeah. And where would you guys Shout go with Chris. this truck? Huh? Where we went to, to like, your typical spots. We go to Abbott Kinney. We go to downtown Farmer's Market. We go to, like, like kind of, you know, food trucky spots. Yeah. We wouldn't make any money. Like, it wasn't... Uh, no one... When we started serving National Hot Chicken, nobody knew what it was. No, yeah, for like sure. no one. Yeah, we had no fucking clue. Now yeah. it's like I, I gotta every change. Yeah. Well, every I gotta corner. change my we'll algorithm on Instagram because yeah. every every <laughs> other hot chicken spot is like popping up on my feed and like new ones every day. And I'm getting so like I wanna like. I want to see other stuff. I don't think you could change your algorithm. <laughs> well, yeah, but you it's just got to like, unfollow Howlin' Rays yeah. and just everything. It's just, just everything. Start a and separate it's, account. It's insane, but um, it's cool though. I mean, you know, to to be able to be a part of that and inspire. I just hope it doesn't get like watered down, like poke or something. Like you know, like that's not. It's not what hot chicken is. It's like one of those. I was going to say that hopefully it's not one of those trends like the poke or calling it hot chicken, but it's not hot chicken. Yeah, well, I mean, for us at least, to speak for ourselves, we've been open three years, and you know, like we're we're extremely grateful that we serve more customers each day than we have like the week prior. So like now we're serving like a thousand, two hundred people a day. When we first opened, we were serving like three hundred. So for us, I pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I feel like. For for Helen Ray's and what we're doing, it is yeah, it's Nashville hot chicken, but there's something a little bit more special to the hospitality and the crew and the culture yeah. and and all that stuff that I feel like people are like, you know, a little bit more drawn to, you know. And yes, it's Nashville hot chicken. That's our platform, right. but how we're doing it is something that yeah. we see a lot of like other maybe restaurants emulating or trying to kind of emulate and stuff. But so it, yeah. for me, it's not so much if it's like poke or whatever. It's 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 more about like the culture of what we're doing here, you know, is, is, is much more prevalent than just the fact that it's natural. Right, it's not, it's not, you can't replicate culture and the community that you've built. You can change your product tomorrow and it'll still be fine. In my opinion, but I do want to set the record straight. What is Nashville hot chicken? Like what? Like for those restaurants that are trying to get into it and they don't really—they're not. That's not. That's not what they're serving. Like what? What is it really? So Nashville hot chicken is um, like it was really born as a quarter piece of chicken, quarter being one fourth, mm-hmm. and uh, that was fried and then hit with Nashville hot chicken. You know, uh, like like seasoning. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to walk through the whole process. Yeah. And then you have this chicken that's a uh, Nashville hot chicken, and it's served on top of bread, okay, like white bread. And mm-hmm. then it's pickles on top, and that's it. That is it. That's it. And you would get it in a brown paper bag that's covered in grease. No sando. That's this. We're talking Nashville hot chicken. Right. Not what it can be inside. So yeah. if you go to Prince's, <laughs> yeah. you know, like they don't have a sandwich. It's right. It's wings, just a chicken. breast quarters. You know, like they'll have tenders, but yeah. that's how it's served. That's right. how. That's what if you. 
Wikipedia Nashville Hot Chicken. You know, it'll have more. Oh, it has a Wikipedia. Okay. Yeah, you'll mm-hmm. have more info. And then it's cool because like other chefs, like Bolton's, they'll yeah. do their own take. They'll do hot fish. They'll do chicken on a stick oh, nice. and things like that. How how did you come up with the name Howlin' Reese? So Howlin' Wolf was uh, playing the first time I had a hot chicken, <laughs> and and one of the third. Wait, times. is that Duran Duran? Howlin' Wolf. Uh, no. He's a blues musician. Oh, never mind. I'm thinking yeah. of another song. No, you're good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Howlin' Wolf is a uh, a blues guy uh, okay. that you know was just his voice was so distinct and yeah. you know um, he he was playing uh, one of the first times I had it and then Ray Zone was my father's name, yeah. so I just took oh. half of Helen Wolf and half of Ray's own and Helen Ray's, and that was it. Very cool. So, so you start, yeah, you, you open up the truck, like, how does it go from there? Like, how quickly does that it... That was, it, it was, it was very hard. We I got, remember the truck. I remember the truck days. Yeah. Were you guys at First Fridays? Like, where were you guys, like... You guys we did that, there? yeah. That was, that was all right. And that was, like, right around the time these trucks were, like, all kind of popping out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a grind, you know? Like, I had one fryer. Uh, this truck was... All I could afford was a I took over a taco truck. So, like, it was yeah. a taco, oh, whited out taco truck, and then I, I blacked it out and put Helen Ray's on it, and I had one fryer. And shout out to Jack Avizidian at La Raza. Huh? We're actually Armenian, so we know how to pronounce okay. it. I, uh, Avidizian? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jack Avidizian <laughs> over at La Raza Foods. He uh, helped g- secure this truck, all that stuff, and, you know, we still stay in contact, and good dude that really helped us kind of transition from just a truck just to a truck you know right. like normally they lease year leases we got a six-month lease which was super dope um yeah a really cool really cool guy uh so the truck was 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 hard man one fryer you know hard not because all of how many customers. people like how much demand you guys had like no people, the demand oh. wasn't there like okay. it wasn't <laughs> oh this is like super like we're, just, we're yeah. serving like th- 30 people a day you yeah. know 40 people if we're how, how long did that last the 30 people a day it grew. I mean, so like it went from 30 to maybe 50, then to 60, yeah. you know, and then 60. And they, but did you think in that time that like, oh, this is still a good idea? No, well, I was going to close it because I was, I was actually really depressed because I uh, was underwater uh, like 80,000 and I barely could cut a check for my employee, mm. one employee. Mm. And how am I going to pay for a rent for an apartment? You, you and Amanda obviously weren't making any money like at that time. No, we weren't. Yeah. You know, like it was all debt that paid for all that stuff mm. did you have to keep reminding yourself that like you would rather be doing that and not making money than working somewhere else and not you know having kind this of mindset but of- but in those moments of darkness and and it's it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel sure. it's like Absolutely. where is this going yeah. i mean there was one point where you just want one silver line like something like some yeah and of- then there would be guys like that have these like franchises like we've turned down a lot yeah. of opportunities sure, to yeah. open up 20 10 two, three, one in Atlanta. All, we turned down a lot just to be here. And it's funny is like, look at what I'm like spending my time on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to doing that. And that's what I say about intentions is when your intentions are pure mm-hmm. and clear, yeah. then it really resonates with people. But um, even in the truck, there was guys like approaching us, want to take the concept, let's blow it up, let's open up like 10 of these and then 10 of these over there. And uh, franchise, franchise, franchise. Yeah, but it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to introduce Los Angeles to Nashville Hot Chicken. Be my own boss. Do it. Do it my way. Yeah. You know, not have to be told to do certain things. Who cares if I have a, a felon? Who cares if I want to pay a guy twenty, thirty an hour? You know what I mean? That's on me. You know, my numbers are tight enough where I want to take care of people. I'm not going to cut people's hours. You know, who cares if I want to give away. 40 sandwiches a day, 100 sandwiches a day, you know, that's on me. And so that's, that's, that's how it is. And um, 
but those moments of darkness in the truck, those were hard. Those were very, very difficult. How long did that last? Uh, we only had it six months. Not like thank, mm-hmm. thankfully, we only mm-hmm. signed a six month lease. You outgrew it. No, um, we we <laughs> closed the truck like on a like deal. Positive. We were okay. gonna, we had a deal locked in for a spot to open a restaurant because I've been in restaurants my whole life. So working in a food truck, if you can imagine using certain pieces of equipment, having a dishwasher, having the space tools, yeah, you know, at space and, yeah. and on a hot and day you don't have to LA. like sandbag things and yeah. you know, like it's like because you're out in the desert or whatever, yeah. you know, so. I, I would needed to get into a brick and mortar. I needed to get in a spot and uh, went through a few different spots. Nothing really worked out. The truck was closed. Uh, we didn't know what to say to the media. The media was asking us, where are they going? You know, we didn't know. What, but you guys had traction that. at that point to the point that the media was asking. Yeah. Well, I think what happened was, like I said, by me holding out as a chef for such a long time, uh, it gave me a little bit of clout in terms of like, okay, you know, it's not like your average truck or whatever. Right, right. It's like it's this guy good. is, yeah. he's been in the game for yeah. such a long so time. Something's going to happen. Yeah. So because I was in when they were writing about Bouchon, I was in when they were writing about Gordon Ramsay and they were seeing me because I was in when they were writing about La Poubelle. So for those six, seven years, I established connections and relationships with these these individuals right. who write with yeah. food so they community. kept tabs on like what you're up to exactly and, yeah. you know because they know I've 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 been around you know right. so but uh, yeah we didn't have a location or anything like that and then we went over to um, some uh, like uh, LA Food Fest or some something like that and Smart I, I or no we went to uh, the one LA Times Food Bowl or something oh, like yeah. that okay. and then I ran into Alvin Kylon. Um, who who did Unit 120 here? Mm. He was uh, one of the founders of Egg Slut, uh, creator of that, and now he's doing um, the Burger Show um, with uh, First We Feast. Mm. So just um, like an all around LA restaurateur. Yeah, yeah, and so I met with him, and he was coming into right next door, right here, yeah. to this this thing and doing the concept Unit 120. He's like, bro, you should come down, check it out, meet the landlord George Yu. Uh, we met him and he was super accommodating and, and wanted to have us and was uh, it was like kind of like uh, a, an amazing fit you know yeah. he was going to help us out we're yeah. going to help him out you know and what about this location was he so like bullish on that even got you bullish on it I, I just like the rawness of it uh, truthfully to put it a matter of fact right next to Prince's there's a barber shop and every time I go to Prince's they say to me this is an appropriate time to cuss let me line that shit up bro. <laughs> When you're quoting, I have a widow's peak, right? Yeah. So my hairline is not straight. Trust me, me too, man. Yeah, but mine's like a. I nice, don't even have a hairline anymore. Well, I have so. a hard widow's <laughs> yeah. peak, right? Yeah, yeah. So every time I go to these barber shops or walk by, when I was going to get princes, the guys are like, "Hey, bro, let me line that shit up. You <laughs> cook it right now." And so they want to like make my hair straight, but yeah. they don't know that the widow's peak will grow in more. It'll look yeah. like green or weird, yeah, right. so I have to leave it natural. But here we are in Chinatown, and there's this little barber shop right there. Uh. Old old women. We're talking like probably in their sixties, seventies. Did they say the same thing when you walked by? No. Oh, okay. I was like, but it made me think of that. <laughs> no, yeah. It made me think of that. I was like, how cool would it be to have a hot chicken spot right there? And it just it just clicked too. Like there were some mornings where um, I would walk by and I'd see like these Chinese chefs carrying pigs at five in the morning. You know, like it was. There's so many different things to it. You're like, just like, let me draw. get some pork yeah. from that. We're gonna add some bacon to the menu. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I just thought it was amazing. Yeah. Like. That reminded me of the South. It yeah. remi- like there's guys in the South that were supplying this like amazing restaurant, right? They're the mm-hmm. farmers, and they don't have shoes on, and they're delivering without shoes, and like hair is going down to their butt, you know? Like that, it's like it's cultural, it's raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it, it really reminded me of that, you know. And 
but also, this is all this is all we had. Mm. We couldn't. This room even wasn't even here. We just opened 500 square feet. So the size of this. And we're sitting was, literally right behind or right next to the actual restaurant right now. Well, yeah. we're sitting next to the expansion. And then there's the restaurant. Oh, I yeah, because okay. we store a lot of food every day to serve all those people. Right. So it was like, I, I don't know. It was, it, it was all or nothing. So did you anticipate, I mean, like when you're like p- picking this location, like did you anticipate this line that you're going to have? No, I mean, come on. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's talk about the, the raw facts of the location. Yeah. You have no street signage. Right. So if someone's driving by, they don't know how Basically long it is here. Basically us today. Yeah. Right? Know. Yeah. Uh, two, the parking is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Unless you have that, that lot across the street is great. It's five dollars. There was nobody there, so it's zero uh, dollars. Our, car, our car's probably oh, gone now. Go. So. Yeah, so like you have five dollar lots yeah. all around. Yeah. You have metered bad, everywhere. Yeah. Parking, you know, really bad right there. Um, the building is—it's an older building. Yeah. You know. Um, also, like in terms of what's what's around, there's not too much around for like so foot traffic and other exactly. Things. Yeah. So it's not like oh, you know, you go to the Grove. Or whatever, right. and people are walking. And they're like, right. "Hey, let's go check that store out." Technically, it's a bad but, location. But they're yeah. like, "What? What yeah. is? What is sprinkles? Oh, yeah. I want some muffins or yeah. whatever." And they go there. Yeah. So we're not going to cap into any of that. Yeah. You know, uh, we are also opening eleven to four, uh, mm-hmm. five days a week. What That's was what the, what was the what was the idea behind that? Because I wanted to preserve my sanity and I wanted to do something really, really, really well. So if I overextend myself. Then I'm gonna lose my mind, you know. But and why not like at night instead of eleven to four? Like maybe well, like seven. Well, at night to it was four. a ghost town here. I mean, at day it was a little bit of a ghost town too. But mm. there was nobody here, right? You yeah. know. And uh, also, I wanted to be able to wake up in the morning, prep. I, I was at the time I was doing a market side, so every day I would change my side. So here's some southern sides to give you an idea of like because Nashville hot chicken is southern. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Succotash. You know, like, I don't know if people know about that. You got braised mustard greens, baked beans, pork and beans, you know, like, like all these different types of sides that were really inspiring me, like, like a, a cucumber salad, mm. like, like it's think of like some of the pickles, like at Rafi's mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're mm-hmm. amazing. Right. Yeah. And why is it that they're amazing? Like whether it's the marination or the fermentation to it and, and all these different techniques where you take a vegetable, something so humble. I loved Southern sides. I loved these dishes and accoutrements, chow, chow. Mm-hmm. Like if anybody's heard of chow, chow and you know, it's, it's, it, was, it was something that spoke to me so much. And so I was making sides every day and changing them every okay. single day. So I'd be here at like 5 a.m. Which like logistically is like kind of hard to do, right? I mean, yeah, every single I mean, day. Think about, you, it, I mean, it's not just you. It's like your whole team. Has well, to also, like, what are we going to do today? <laughs> you know, like right. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then figuring that out. You know, dirty rice. I don't know if you guys have had yeah. dirty rice mm-hmm. with like chicken livers, like the yeah, real this thing. This is all foreign to me. But here's the thing. But now that I know. You guys think you know maybe southern food or you've had southern like hot chicken places and what are their sides? I've had the double western bacon. Macaroni and cheese, (laughs) maybe collard greens. (laughs) That's it. Yeah. So French fries. But the thing that really inspired me and motivated me and excited me was doing those sides. And it Mm -hmm. sucks because one part of doing this volume that we're doing is I couldn't. I couldn't keep, keep going on that. I was, I was like burning myself out. And so I had to stick to a few staple sides that, that we did. One of the, like the oil and vinegar slaw was super dope because like 
I hate when slaws have like mayo in it. Like there's no need for it. Yeah. yeah. Like if you go to it. go to Carousel mm-hmm. and you have their cabbage, you know, like it's like it's amazing. Right. Like it's cleansing. Mm. Right. You know, and it refreshes you. It, it uses the raw ingredients as the highlight of the dish. Yeah. And then a few spices if it's caraway seed or right. whatever they're putting in it, it's yeah. like bomb. Yeah. So those those side dishes really spoke to me. And so now going into like looking at another location stuff, I'm really excited about Offering waffles all day, you know what I mean? Like off expanding the sides because we get yeah. a lot of requests. Because some of the OGs that would come when we were first open, they're like, when are you going to have that side back? You know, like I miss your pork and beans or, you know, like I, I would do like, like I would do a mac and cheese, but I'd lace it with charred peppers, you mm-hmm. know, and, and they're so like luxurious mm-hmm. when you char the pepper and late. It's like it's, it's just amazing, you know, and right. really elevating those sides. And, 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 and then for our chefs, having them experience making those sides on the yeah. daily, you know, it's, it's really inspiring. So, so you guys are actively looking for a second location. Cause I, I did, <laughs> so we I got, remember yeah, seeing we got a video. A I think you said something about like the, you want to really like keep this one location and like really go all in on it. So I don't know what's, what's been happening. Yeah. Here. So <clears throat> when we first opened, we were five days a week. Now we're six days a week. Now we're open till like seven or, or, yeah. Whenever the line's done, you know, if you get in line at seven, we still serve you. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we've kind of like not exhausted, but like we we do pre-orders here. You know, like it's a lot of pressure, a lot of PSI on one little location. You mm-hmm. know, so it could break very easily. So I feel like opening another location that's that's not too close but fairly close might alleviate it and a little bit of a larger setting, uh, so that the product's easier to get for some Will people. Will the vibe be the same? It, it's a different. I don't think you'll ever be able to recreate this type of vibe. You know what I mean? Like, and that's something that I feel like movie owners, restaurant owners, all that stuff fail to recognize. Is like, oh, our sequel's gonna be dope. No, yeah. But yeah. the sequel always sucks because you're resting on your laurels. Right. So how do I create? Yeah, a similar type vibe or whatever. But that's gonna be its own beast, its own animal. Has that even been done before? Where it's like a, com- a restaurant expands like that in and then out. Be- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but like that's great. Yeah. But like, um, so I know we we had heard about Culver City, we had heard about Pasadena. Like, dude, is that even like in the yeah? So I, I'm pretty sure Pasadena is probably like going to be the next locked one. in. Yeah, yeah. And why Pasadena? Well, it's, it's why. Well, I uh, I feel like it's really close, right after one ten. Yeah. Right. So it, each restaurant can use each other as uh, like a balance. You know, yeah. um, it's and not then, too far from here. No, it's not. I mean, it's... 10, 15 minutes tops. Yeah, and it's right off the 110, yeah, so, yeah. It's, so it's, it's a right there, dope yeah. location. Yeah. I feel like Pasadena needs needs good food, mm. you know? Like, yeah. they don't well, have... Parts a, of it. Or authentic, parts cool, something right? more authentic than just kind of like the chain stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? So I feel like uh, there, there's an opening in the market mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Same like here. There was a... Like, like Nashville Hot Chicken in LA, that's an opening in the market, you know? Uh, when we first did it, no one was doing it, you know? So... Why do you think people were so drawn to it and... It has grown to the crowds that it's grown to because when it first came out, yeah, when it first came out, Pat and I heard about it. We've heard about it for years. We reached out uh, to you guys, like maybe like when we first started, and it's only gotten bigger every single day. Probably, um, it's hard for me to come out during. It was hard for me to come out during the day back then because it was open eleven to four, and I was working at like nine to five, nine to six. But now I'm happy that you know you guys are expanding, moving closer to us. Why do you think people were so attracted to it? And not only were attracted, continued to come and became evangelists. I mean, it has almost this cult following where people are constantly talking about it. I know someone that comes like once a week at least. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think uh, consistency, customer service, like the simple things, hooking people up, uh, not being stingy, uh, being respectful towards people – 
I, I think uh, uh, respecting your regulars, treating them like family, treating everybody like family, not just regulars or VIP or whatever, you know, like, it, it, I think that there's something warranted for that that a lot of restaurants don't get right because maybe they're just jumping on a bandwagon or trying to do something, you know, like that they feel like is cool or whatever. But at the end of the day, like I'm a chef and I've been a chef for 14 years, you know, and what I love about being a chef is respecting those customers, respecting my staff and, and, and training them and developing them and um, being hospitable. It's a hospitality industry. Right. So to answer that question, it's very simple. It's not about you know, the amount of hype or, or whatever, it's more, because if you really, really think about it, probably like 60, 70% of those people in line are repeat guests. Yeah, I was telling Pat yeah. that for so, sure, like most of these people have been here before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's people that I see every every time on Wednesday, every time on Thursday or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how do you do that? You 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 be a restaurant, you, you be a chef, you be hospitable to people, right. you welcome them you know you don't judge you don't mm-hmm. you know like like that uh, running a restaurant you know like like yeah. run it properly i'm curious speaking of in and out is this model here how and race is it scalable to that level number one and number two is that even something that you would want to consider to become an in and out yeah Number one, uh, is it scalable? I don't think so because that's burgers and fries. It takes maybe two, three minutes to cook a burger and fry. And our quarters and like, like, like the, the way our preparation and stuff like that is a lot more prep heavy. Um, and so it, it isn't something where you could just plug and play and get a commissary and then just ship ship yeah. stuff. If anything, it'll if kill frozen. the quality if you try it, right? Yeah. And, and also the, the product that we use is, is pretty expensive and it's like a non-traditional business in the sense of our profit margins aren't right. maybe as high. As a burger and fry, right. or as a tender only, or as a commodity chicken, you know, user, whatever, you know, we're using like really high quality product um, because it's not about the bottom line for me. Like going back to intentions, like why I did this and why I'm doing this, um, it's 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 about the culture and and sharing sharing something with the city. So the scalability thing, no, is the answer on that because it wouldn't you know make sense to spend that much money for somebody that's opening up that many locations uh, on a product as expensive as we're using. But also, it wouldn't make sense to pay the employees as well as we pay them because then how how are you going to open up the next one and save enough money to open up the next one when it costs mm-hmm. 600, 700,000? Right. So scalability, I'd say no. Could we? Yeah, but it, would diminish it doesn't align with the goals of why I first did this. Right. What are the missions of Howland Reese? So, like I said, you know, we want to introduce Nashville Hot Chicken to the city of Los Angeles. Right? There's still a lot of people that haven't tried it, even yeah. to this day. Yeah. And then now, now secondly, like it's kind of like developing its 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 own kind of thing. It's its own person, you know. And then uh-huh. my job is to kind of like listen to right. it. Now we have like a staff of like 30 people, right? Mm-hmm. Who range from you name it. You know, felon, Starbucks employee, the tenders and or tender greens employee, like anything you can think of. Home Depot, this, the customers. I have so many customers that come and yeah. want to work here because they see the vibe, the ambiance. So now I got those 30 people, um, depending on how and race. Right. How do I get those guys more money? Uh, you know, how do, I, how do I give them raises? How do I teach them and grow them, right, right. as chefs, yeah. as restaurant operators? Then you have the customers. How do I make it easier for the customers, you know, like to get the product? Because obviously they love the product and there's a lot of people that don't go or, or don't show up because of the line. So how do I do that, you know? Um, how do I grow the company where 
we're not sacrificing quality, but we maintain the same standards and the same ambiance. Like it's not going to be exactly the same because I'm not, you know, living in a dream world and and, and I think I can right. create you know lightning in a bottle again. Right, you can't create a Chinatown vibe in any city, honestly. Yeah, especially yeah. in like a shopping center. Well, speaking like of impact, I mean, you guys have literally inspired this whole wave of like just other places that are kind of doing the same thing like we're trying to do the same thing yeah and that's, like, that's awesome within, yeah i think in, like in glendale alone there's like probably like six six or seven at this point <laughs> yeah which is, insane. which is which is great what do you think the correlation is with armenian culture and national chicken <laughs> i don't know nothing you know what know. i'll tell you what it is hype no money they think that and that's why i see your mission right is because a lot of companies they see an opportunity they're like we can make money that's great. That's that, that's their mission. That's their goal. I don't think they have an actual story. I guarantee you. I would guarantee you. Ninety nine percent of the people have that has started hot chicken spot have not been to Nashville. More. Hundred <laughs> percent probably that, have not. That sucks. But that's again. That's, that's my goal. It's that's like just my guess. That's just my some, guess, right? Something that I fell in right, love with. Right. But that's just my guess. And I'm you know I'm sure there's a lot of Armenian restaurants that have not been to Armenia, perhaps, but you know they have their grandmother's recipes or you know Middle Eastern or Indian, like not necessarily from there but they do that right but their mission and their story is different i think your story and i think that's why it resonates with a lot of people is just like hey this is what we do and and you like it oh great you know and that's it other places it's more so profit is the goal and that's fine people need to make money that's that's their thing i'm not judging i'm just saying i think that's the main difference and i think that's why howland race has the following it does and it has the culture and the community that it does and others might not they serve good food whatever but they might not have that same following, that same culture. You know, tomorrow if they open a second location, will, will they do well? Yeah, maybe. But will they have that cult following? I don't know. Probably not. And I, I, I don't ever see things as a negative thing. Like I think it's great because a lot of those places are family businesses that are families For putting sure. their money For together sure. or their homies yeah. putting money right. together and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's cool, you know, like that uh, we've kind of inspired that, you know, mm-hmm. as long as it's not – watered down you know like. and look there's room for everybody look you know we mentioned in and out there's shake shack and yeah. there's burger king there's i mean like there's i think thousands it's important of like you said to like everyone be on the same page as far as like yo this is like a cultural thing this goes deep like a natural like if you're not at least trying to maintain a certain level of quality like you're insulting like that culture essentially yeah but i see i'll let the the people make those right you know like i'm just yeah, I'm I'm in my lane, and I'm I'm gonna do the best I can, and I'm yep. not gonna listen to any noise about anything because I want to do the best I can for my crew, mm-hmm. for the customers, you know, and like that's my goal, for you sure. know, and I'm not gonna like talk bad about anybody, yeah. regardless. Even yeah. if somebody does something really bad to me, I, I I believe in rising above it, and 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 not like you know putting any shade on anybody, you know, because uh, it's like. I think yeah. it's cool. I think it's inspiring for me as as a chef, as a business owner, mm-hmm. that I've I've touched people in mm-hmm. in, in ways where mm-hmm. they like they get inspired. Mm-hmm. That's super dope. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's cool. Speaking of the, like the next five to ten years, besides you know slowly expanding, Helen raising, kind of maintaining that quality as you expand, how, do you have your like mindset on any anything else, like any other restaurants or any other type of project you want to get into? Yeah. So I mean, like Ace Ace in the back pocket, all that stuff. Like I've always had a few concepts and. I have now, luckily, like if I wanted to open up a concept and develop some of the the crew here and do like uh, whether it's a diner concept or or something like really super southern or whatever, I could do it just just like that. Like Mm -hmm. now, I don't have to worry about that that uh, the funding or you can get that SBA loan. Yeah, SBA loan, (laughs) or I can take on investors to mitigate risk or whatever. But right now, you know, I feel like um, with with Helen Ray's and and like you said, the next five years, I mean. 
opening that second location, seeing how that's, that, that goes, seeing if it affects this one or, or whatnot, or if I need to transition this one into, into that one completely, and it's a much easier, better, ac mm -hmm. accessible thing, and then this is kind of like becomes a legend. Like a museum. Mm -hmm. Huh? Yeah. Or make it a museum. Well, then you'd have to pay rent on it and all that. I mean, do you? I mean, I don't know. But, but then what if, what if this just If it's became... bringing traffic for the landlord, he might give it to you for free. Just a thought. You're yeah, welcome. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. You know, like <laughs> yeah. like like life is short, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. things yeah. things hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but long term, though, uh, opening that second location, developing the staff. I mean, like uh, a lot of my guys now are like they have multiple babies, you know, and like they finally mm. have cars and things like that, and it's super dope. Uh, and so, giving those guys management roles and training them and 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 cultivating them. Like after this, I'm, I have a meeting with uh, Mario, Matt, and Cooper. Mm -hmm about today's service, you know, because I was here earlier and I, I was trying to set them up on, on, on the goals uh, for today on what you three are going to accomplish. And then I'm going to recap it with them. Mm -hmm. And how do I become more of a mentor in, yeah. in those five years? is How to be a better mentor. How do you empower boss. others? Exactly. Yeah. Like, how do I get what I didn't get as a chef? But how do I put them on pedestals and bring them up, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then set, we have our uh, website with the pre-order uh, system, you know, coming out. So it's, it's super easy to book online there. My wife's doing tons of merchandise. Um, we get a lot of collaboration offers with uh, major clothing brands and things like that. It's it's really cool. All the different, you know, um, like celebrity guests that we get is like such a blessing, you know. Um, Who's it, the most like? Is it Chrissy well, Teigen say, or something? No, I, I don't say. I don't like to say names. Yeah, you don't like the like name that, drop. But <laughs> it's really cool, like pulling up on the phone, like getting a voicemail, you know, and they're like, "Hey, you know," and it, yeah. it, I, I think it's super humbling, and and it's and the guys get excited by it. What's yeah. cool is like I'll send the staff to go drop the food off so that they get to like meet them, yeah. and, and that made their day, you know. And yeah. it's yeah. like just spreading love, you know. It's, it's such a uh, good feeling, you know. Yeah. So in terms of those five years, you know, so we got the merch, you got the pre-order system, you got uh, the two locations. Uh, you, yeah, potentially maybe we open a Hall and Raise in Nashville. You know what I mean? I don't know, but those those two right there, that's that's a good three year kind of thing. Yeah, you got to take me. it slow and kind of just if I it. if I want to do it really right, yeah, yeah, could yeah. we open up twenty of these right now with a snap of yeah. fingers, just like that Thanos? Yes. Yeah. But what would that do? Right. We we've turned down major deals in Las Vegas hotels that gross like three billion a year, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. These huge hotels, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we've turned them down. And I actually said, heard no. about that too. Yeah, that's crazy, man. I'm curious. As somebody who's into food and restaurants, what are your three favorite restaurants in LA right now besides Howl and Ray's? I, it's, it's, favorite restaurants are, are a hard thing because you go to different restaurants for different things. But okay, so give me three I, of the spots that you enjoy being a patron at because of the food, the service, the vibe, whatever it may be. So one of them I actually postmate a lot, La Estrella in uh, Pasadena. I'm really on their caldos, on their bras. Hmm. Like they're pretty bomb. You know, they La serve Estrella. La Australia, yeah, yeah. So that might like be butchering stars. it. Yeah, and uh, the caldo, so like the caldo de, uh, like like mariscos or or the yeah. caldo de albandigas, like so they serve you this broth in a deli court container, and then you get tortillas, you get uh, savoya cilantro, you get salsa roja, and then you get limes, and it's like this beautiful. Oh, and you get red rice, that that uh -huh. Mexican red rice bomb with corn <laughs> and peas in it, yeah. and it's like thirteen bucks for a postmate, like thirteen Whoa. fifteen bucks. Postmated everything. I to try that. Yeah, so and it's like <laughs> you feel it's like a deconstructed taco. No, it's a <laughs> caldo is like a soup. Oh wow! And you make your own tacos, and then you have the broth, and it's like it's 
It's food for the soul, man. Like, yeah, it like, sounds I, like it. For 13 bucks too, it sounds great. Yeah, but it, it, the, the main kick on it, it tastes like a mom made it. It tastes like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, like, like super authentic. Yeah. yeah, so that's super bomb. So La Estrella. Um, I honestly, like I've been kind of working a lot, so I haven't really gone out to any like fancy, fancy yeah, sit down uh, restaurants yeah. as much. So a lot of my stuff is probably going to be grunge. That's yeah. fine. Uh, I had, I had Smosh Town. Uh, is that the beef? The I don't know if they're still around. The I, think, I think they they're kind of similar situation that in, with you guys that they close it off for oh, a bit. Did? I don't know why. What well, was super um, cool is like I went, I had it, and the dad saw his son like getting hyped that I was there, <laughs> and he invited me in the back. It was at an auto store. Yeah, and he invited me in the back. He's like, "Hey, let's have some hookah. I have <laughs> some, I have some olives and cucumber and mint and some pita and hookah. Oh, you want some whiskey and hookah." And hookah, <laughs> and he 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 invited me to the yeah. back with like his OG. Well, that's the vibe. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm vibe. saying, though. Yeah, that's that's that that was like. See, like they should like hookah lounges should take that model, like food first, hookah second. Yeah, but that's also also that 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 the hospitality. Hospitality, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, let me, hey. What, well, I mean, what that's do you like want? the Middle Eastern stuff. Do you need any? You yeah, want? Yeah, what yeah. Do you, oh, you want some rice? Yeah. Hey, ah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Go you to know, the store, like, get some rice. Let's make yeah. some. Right yeah. It's like over hospitable. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's and like, and just like, shut the fuck up a little bit. Sometimes. And, I, love, and I, I went and he invited me in the bag and I was just yeah. like, wow. And that, that was like the same experience that you get when you go to like a fancy restaurant. Right. But here we are in like an auto right. zone. Not auto zone, but like a, yeah, yeah, auto a truck area or whatever. So that was, that was a really dope experience. Um, and then what I'm, I'm trying to think of something you know like like closer over here. I mean, I always go to Yuka's for like a a, a wet burrito. Mm. Uh, there's one in uh, like like on uh, what is it Hillhurst in okay. kind of Los Feliz area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's another Yuka's out in uh, Pasadena, and like oh, there's multiple. Their wet burritos are just yeah. like they make me salivate. What's <laughs> one restaurant that you want to go to that you haven't been yet? Nightshade, I, I hear really good things about. That sounds familiar. That's May Lin. Uh, okay. Finally, kind of like. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I haven't. I don't think I've been to APL yet. Want to check that spot out? Um, there's a lot, honestly. Are you a fan of like out. the Bavels and the Bestias and whatnot? Oh, I, actually, Chef Ori's Bavel or Balville. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's incredible. I, I went there. It was very good. So good. Yeah, and a lot of the the chefs or service they they're actually uh, customers here. So oh yeah. A lot of my chefs go there and they recognize them, hook them right. up, and it's hook them cool. up and all that stuff. They're like yeah. they'll make their own version of hot chicken as a joke, you <laughs> yeah. Know? And it's yeah. super cool. So yeah, no, Ori and, and and his wife and his team are are amazing. Like they really, you know, if you were to do a restaurant collab with a restaurant, who what, what restaurant would it be? Um, I I would want to do something with like a lot of southern chefs and then and and introduce the city to some really amazing southern food, mm-hmm. like Rodney Scott. He does uh, whole hog barbecue out mm. in Carolina. Man, you're and so hyped about this stuff. I gotta go to the south and try all this food because, like, <laughs> I have never. Check this out. You get a yeah. whole hog. You he cooks a whole pig, right? Wow. And he gets a mop, and he puts Wait. it in his sauce. And then he, That's as sick. he's cooking it, he's mopping it with oh a mop. It's called mopping. Amazing. And then when you get it, it's like picked apart all this oh, stuff man. from the whole hog. And then the sauce is is vinegar based. Like it's not like barbecue sauce yeah, yeah. like this sweet mm. like yeah. overkill ketchup yeah. thing it's like just basically vinegar and it's wow. like amazing mary lou's you know i mean like there's so many southern spots that that i would kill to go and cook <laughs> with yeah 
just just because I would want to be in that kitchen, you know, and, and, and cook with them, and, mm-hmm. and and it would be such like we I flew my stuff out to Nashville and we cooked in a truck uh, at 400 degrees, and we did it free wings for the city of Nashville. Wow! And it was five of my guys paid for the whole thing, fly them all out there. Wow! Because you have these LA cats representing yeah. Nashville. You know, if I'm employing somebody and, and they're representing the city, what if if a customer says to them, "What's your favorite hot chicken spot?" They'd be like, "Oh, Pepper Fire." Or, mm. "No, nah, you know what? I like Bolton's because it's a little bit of a dry rub on there. It's not as wet as Hattie." So B's. yeah, they know the history. The exactly. So when when a customer asks the staff, they explain it into detail um, about the differences and intricacies. Of how each spot serves it, right. mm. or also they have their own stories too. Like Luis Silva, this, one of my guys, he he was smoking a cigarette and he walked into a bar still smoking the cigarette. <laughs> and then I said, "What are you doing?" And he looked at me and he took the cigarette and threw it on the floor in the middle of the the place. And everyone was looking at him like, and he like stomped it out, <laughs> you know. And then you have these little stories. Or my chef de cuisine, Julian Sanchez, getting spanked by her royal highness on the boulevard, uh, <laughs> who's this like older woman who spanks people for five dollars oh good <laughs> like just spanking i see yeah. you guys add that to one of the, like to the line here <laughs> maybe he like, that's he, like a problem maker right his, his 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 firmness of his body <laughs> was so strong that it broke her paddle oh wow God. yeah so you have these stories of the employees in nashville yeah. experiencing culture Do you guys document this stuff yeah i mean there there the the helen uh, crew stories was like lit. Yeah. It was like it was blowing up. Yeah. You know, like everyone, you know, like Cooper square dancing. You know, like that was insane. You know, like but it's like that. And then you have those moments too. Some of those guys, it was their first airplane ride. Wow. You know, and it's like how cool is that? They get to work at a spot and get flown to Nashville, stay yeah. at an Airbnb that's like super dope. And it's very f- fulfilling for you. I well, assume. that's why. That's why I'm doing this. Right. That's why. Right. You know, I started this is because it, that's what it's about. That's that's right. Those moments, you know, those guys will have for the rest of their lives, and, and I will. And then also, the customers get to get to see it through mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. or whatever, um, and then also get to hear about it from the staff. Very and true. it's and it's it's really amazing. Like yeah. like Mario just came back from uh, three weeks of maternity leave and just had a baby, mm. and like the customers are like all asking him about him, and it's yeah. like a family. It's like yeah. it's like that same vibe. Hey, get some hummus. Get some pita. Yeah, here you know what i mean and it, and it, it can be interpreted in so many different ways and that's and a beautiful it, and it's thing very, and that becomes very obvious in the food and in the culture and people want to be a part of that family that's yeah. what it is yeah it's and very it, simple. It's, it, there's no no judging on it no. there's no there's no malicious intent there's right. no intent that's that's not necessarily something that you wouldn't get down with right. like like if you're going into right. something right. for the wrong reason you yeah. know so that's why I feel like you know we're we're blessed, and I want to you know just continue that and 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 uh, make it even stronger, and, yeah. and you know keep going in that direction and keep growing it in in a natural way as opposed to how these businesses books tell you to do it mm-hmm. or how franchising yeah. owners tell me how to do it. You know how I many billionaires tell me like you're wasting like you could be so rich right now. Uh, strike wild irons hot you know like all these different like manipulation tactics i'm trying to tell me how to how to do this business you know and it's like you got to go back to i had a conversation with the owner of twitter jack dorsey yeah um he also owns square mm-hmm. and i asked him i was like what do you feel like attributed you know most of your success and he said throughout the whole life of the company we've always stuck to our original goals yeah you know like the few goals two or three simple goals We've always 
you know, followed those goals. If something comes up and we have an opportunity to do something, but it doesn't align with those goals, we're not going to. Well, he's do like it. notorious for that. I mean, I, I, we'll I don't just think start a different I don't company. Think a, I don't think a day goes by where, where someone doesn't ask him to add yeah. an edit button to their to Twitter, and he does. He's not doing it because yeah. he wants to stick to those things. I mean, exactly. he, he does need. To and do I think that, that takes a lot of just. I mean, everything like patience and will, and just like to stick to like what you know and not kind of cut out all the noise, like you said. I so. agree. Chef Johnny, this has been a pleasure, man. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us, sharing your story, your wisdom. And uh, you guys have built a phenomenal business, culture. I mean, thank you for bringing Hal and Ace to L.A. from, from both of us yeah. and everyone listening. So. Not a problem. Thanks, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. Yeah.